Today's reading is from Acts 16, 1 to 15. He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went on down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of man, a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district to Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Hello, it's lovely to be able to be with you again today as we continue through our year of Acts. But before we get started, I wonder, perhaps, would you just pray with me? Father God, we we thank you for the gift of your word to us, for the example set for us by the early church and for the time today that we have together to explore these things. By your spirit, Lord, would you move among us today? Would you speak to us? Would you challenge us where we need to be challenged? Would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? And Lord, would you just help us to know more of your ways as you continue to transform us um, as people and as a church into those that you are calling us to be? Amen. So today, in our reading, we find ourselves at the beginning of Paul's next missionary journey. And it's a bit of a a tale of three stories, really. We have three different people, three different stories, and three really important lessons for us as we continue to look to the early church to inform our mission and our ministry today. And it all kicks off with Timothy's story. Now, Timothy was a Jewish, he was a Jewish man, he was a believer, but his father was a Greek man, so he would have been uncircumcised. But Paul wants to take Timothy on him with his mission, so we're told in the passage that he circumcises Timothy so that that can happen. Now, that's odd, okay? You know, we've spent much of chapter 14 reading about how Paul has gone to great lengths to explain that non-Jews or Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. In fact, he's just delivered a letter from the, from the Jerusalem council saying just that. 
So why is he circumcising Timothy? Why would he do that? You know, why would he say one thing and then seemingly just go and do the complete opposite? I think, I think Paul is actually demonstrating for us our need not to be a stumbling block for somebody else to hear the gospel. The principle of us doing whatever is necessary in order to give other people the best possible chance of meeting with Jesus. You know, what Paul's doing isn't about gospel legalities. It's not about you must do this or you mustn't do that. It's actually about gospel freedoms. What do I mean? I mean, think, well, you know, there's a difference, isn't there, between what we're commanded to do by God and what we're not. If I had, um, if God had commanded them not to get circumcised, then it would have been really important for him not to do it. You know, to say, no, God says, don't do it. So I'm not doing it. But that's not what God says, is it? God says it's not essential to be circumcised. It's not necessary for salvation, but it's okay if you want to. Timothy isn't circumcised because he has to be. He's circumcised for the sake of the, for, of the, for the sake of mission, for the sake of the gospel. You see, for most of the people that Timothy was going to meet on his journey with Paul, him not being circumcised would have been a really big issue to the extent that it might have actually prevented him from speaking to people about Jesus. His not being circumcised would have been a stumbling block for them, which would have meant that he wouldn't, that they wouldn't have been able to hear the really important message of Jesus that he was taking. But, but in being circumcised, Timothy removes that stumbling block. And in doing so, he opens up the opportunity for him to share the gospel with others. So, so for example, if I was told as a Christian, you shouldn't drink alcohol at all, then I would resist this because, you know, nowhere in the Bible does God forbid us to drink. But if God called me perhaps to go and minister in a Muslim country, then I'd give up drinking completely. Because for many people in that context, drinking alcohol is associated with, with debauchery. Now, me not drinking, it doesn't compromise my own integrity when it comes to, you know, living out my faith. But it wouldn't it would remove the stumbling block to those who I was ministering to. If I was drinking, it would limit my opportunities to speak to people. So by not drinking, I'd remove that stumbling block. I'd change my behaviour um, because to, to, to be considerate to other people for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others hearing about Jesus. And sometimes, you know, holding these things in tension can be really helpful for us as we think about mission. You know, on the one hand, we mustn't compromise what the Bible says. But on the other hand, we can make compromises about our own preferences for the sake of others, for the sake of the gospel. When we were, when we were at Theological College, I am um, <coughs> sorry, I remember one day we were having this age old debate about whether or not you would wear robes. And, and I guess unsurprisingly, there were a lot of trendy people there and they were all very adamant that they were never going to wear robes because robes were old and traditional and stuffy. And well, I don't like them, so I'm never going to do it. And, uh, and I just remember, I remember Kai sitting there really uh, uncharacteristically quietly um, until he suddenly blurted out, you know, words to the effect of, oh, for goodness sake, it's not about you. I'd dress as a flipping penguin if it would help people meet with Jesus. 
And, and you know, those words have always stuck with me because you can substitute the topic of robes for anything. I know, style of singing, praying, um, anything, anything. It's the reminder here to all of us is that God calls us to serve others and to share the gospel with them. And we're called in doing that to let go of our own preferences, to enable that to happen. And so Timothy's story is an important one. It challenges us all to ask ourselves, what are those things in my life that might be a stumbling block to others meeting with Jesus? What might I need to lay down or change in order to enable us to share the gospel with people and to the communities that God is calling us to? And then we come to our second story, to Paul's story, which is essentially a story about being told no. Paul had plans to preach the gospel in Asia. God said no. So then he had plans to go to Bithynia, but God said no. Why does God say no? We don't actually know that. How does God say no? Uh, We don't know that either. It's going well, isn't it? But, But what we do know is that it was the spirit that prevented them from entering these places. We might not know the specifics of the story, but we know that Paul and his team were taking their instructions from the Holy Spirit. They were living by the Spirit, following the Spirit's guidance in all things. And it's the Holy Spirit who is leading them and directing them in their mission. And that's a challenge for us today as individuals and as churches to be people and teams that are guided in all we do, not by our own desires, but by the Spirit of God. And that is not always easy. You know, I wish I could sit here and give you a three-point guide of how to do it and away we'd go. But learning to be guided by the Spirit is... You know, it's something that we spend a lifetime learning and there is certainly more to it than we could ever uh, hope to cover in just one talk. But I think that Paul does remind us that we don't do it on our own. You know, do you notice the number of times in this passage that the word they or we is used? Paul might be the leader. The buck might stop with him, so to speak, but the 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 leading of the Spirit is something that they discern together. However it came about, um, there was clearly a spiritual sense of what God wanted. It was tested in their group and they came to the conclusion that God was saying, no, don't go to those places. And so I think Paul's story asks two questions of us. Firstly, are we asking the Spirit to guide us every day as individuals and as churches? Or are we just doing the stuff that we want? Because here we are challenged every day to say to God, by your spirit, will you guide my words and my actions? And for us as churches to say, by your spirit, will you guide and direct our plans? And secondly, I think Paul's story asks us, who are you listening to? Are we actively listening out for God's voice directing us? Um, And that happens in loads of different ways. You know, God speaks to us in in dreams or visions like he does with Paul and the man from Macedonia, or he speaks to us through other people. Um, Sometimes he speaks to us and and it can just be a a feeling, you know. Sometimes for me, um, it's really just this deep, 
conviction in my gut. And sometimes I'll say to Kai, look, I can't explain it, um, but I've got this feeling that, that we should really do this, or I can't explain it, but I just know that this is a bad idea. And he'll pray about it and we'll get other people to pray about it. And we'll see if God uh, confirms those thoughts or feelings through others. Discerning the Spirit's guidance is something that we do with other people. And that can be a challenge too, because we have to ask ourselves, am I prepared to listen to others? Because, you know, if we truly want to, want to be guided by the Spirit, then we have to do just that. We have to ask God, um, who are the people that you need me to listen to? Who are those people that you've placed around me that you've given the gift of discernment to? And then we need to be prepared to listen to those voices, even, even if they say what we don't want to hear. Even if they're confirming that God is saying no to something that we want. Because... Often, that's when things get difficult, isn't it? I mean, if you're anything like me, I do not like to be told no. But the reality is, sometimes God says no. When I was first ordained, I had, uh, I had very clear ideas about uh, where I wanted to go, and I made no secret of that fact. I knew where God was calling me. I knew where I was best placed. And so I went off to see the bishop and I told him this. And uh, except there was one small problem. And that was that the bishop and his team did not agree with me. They'd prayed about it and they'd come to the conclusion that they felt God's plan was for me to be somewhere else. And so they said, no, we think God is calling you here and that you should consider this. And I said, no. But of course, the problem was that I wasn't saying no because I was being prompted by God's spirit. I was saying no because I was throwing my toys out the pram because I didn't get what I wanted. And so, so to cut a really long story short, I didn't get what I wanted, but I didn't do what they wanted either. And I ended up in this kind of middle ground somewhere else entirely. And it was horrid. In fact, I don't mind telling you, it was a really rough 18 months. Now, was God punishing me because I didn't follow his call? No, I don't think so. Do you know, the difficulties I faced were the direct consequences of the decision that I had made not to listen to the Spirit's guiding when he had said no. But do you know, do you know, the wonderful, wonderful thing about God is that even when we get it wrong, it doesn't always mean it's game over. God's grace is so much bigger than that. You know, in the middle of all the horridness, I went back to the bishop and, and I said, I was wrong. I hate it and I'm sorry. And in his grace, he didn't say, well, tough. He just smiled and he said, well, all right then. How about giving X a go? And he gave me the chance to go back to where he'd offered in the beginning. And I did, and it was amazing. You know, God taught me so much about himself, about his plans, about the importance of being dependent on his guidance. And he taught me the invaluable lesson of learning to allow others to help me discern the will of the Spirit and then to follow it, whether I like it or not. Simply having the faith that if God has called me, everything will be okay. And actually, it'll be best because God's plan is always better than our plan. And so Paul's story challenges us to live by the Spirit's guiding 
And when God says no, not to to go off and do our own thing, but to remain open to the Spirit's prompting. Paul was obedient to God, not going where he had planned, and he remained open for for the Spirit to come. And he spoke to him in a vision of the Macedonian man. And they discerned together that this is from God, and, and off they go. Paul's story reminds us and it encourages us to be both open and dependent on the Spirit's guidance for all that we do, to be prepared to put aside our own plans and desires in order to faithfully follow God's call, confident in the knowledge that God's way is always the best way. And then finally, finally we have Lydia's story of conversion. And I was thinking what's really interesting in Lydia's story is that we see that God has gone before Paul and the others. Note, not only did he guide them to where he needed them to be, he had prepared the ground so that they would be ready for them when they arrived. We're told that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. God had gone before Paul. He was already working in Lydia's heart so that when she heard the message of Jesus, she was ready to respond. And you know, we'll hear a lot more about Lydia in the coming weeks, but here, the story of her conversion is what ties these three stories of Timothy and Paul and Lydia together. And it gives us what is so often the key to mission, that we need to be open to the Spirit's guiding so that we go and we minister to others in the places and in the ways that God needs us to. Just as Paul's openness to the guidance of the Spirit led him to Lydia. And as we follow God's call, confident in the knowledge that he goes before us, preparing the hearts and the minds of the people that he wants us to share the gospel with. So we need to ask for the Spirit's guidance, not just about where to go, but also about who it is that God wants us to talk to. And Paul's example shows us that we follow the Spirit. God prepares the way. We share the gospel. um, And we share the gospel just like Timothy tells us, removing any stumbling blocks that might be uh, preventing people from hearing it. We tell the story of Jesus. And then God will do any converting that needs doing, just as he did with Lydia. And so today, today I pray, I pray that we would be open to God's call and to the guidance of his spirit, that we would be open and prepared to to listen to to um, those people that God has given the gift of discernment to. I pray that he would convict us and challenge us of all the things that we might need to change about ourselves and about the way that we do things so that we might in no way be a stumbling block to others hearing the message of Jesus, that it would be about them and the gospel and not us. And I pray that in all things we would rest in God's sovereignty, knowing that he is the one who holds all things in his hands, that he is the one who will change hearts and minds and turn them to himself, that he is the one to whom all praise and glory is due. Amen.